everyone, I'm Ann Ryan, and welcome to Dream House, the real story of my father, Jack Ryan. In today's episode, we have the privilege of hearing from Mark Emmerich, who resided with his family at the Dream House prior to our occupancy. Mark will be sharing some unsettling recollections from his childhood in that very same house. Mark and I have also crossed paths on multiple occasions, and he has an incredible story regarding my father that you won't want to miss. Okay, now. All right. Okay, good. All righty. I'm just going to start, and then you can ask questions and stuff like that. And the final story, like I say, might be a little disturbing, so I hope not. But I know you've, you know, you've been there, done that, and you know your own life better than, of course, I do. And I think you and I have a very interesting, you know, this is Mark Emmerich, obviously, in the story. But I think you and I have an incredibly strange and interesting path in, uh, in our lives. Because, you know, I was seven years old when you guys bought the house that I lived in that is 688 Neems Road. And you're not, you're not, here we are, six, you know, in our 60s. <laughs> and we have, we are still connected in different odd ways and we were always acquaintances we weren't you know i wouldn't call this friends i mean not that i didn't like you and not that you probably didn't like me but we were just that you know relationship <laughs> and and we crossed paths and you know it's just kind of a a weird way that sometimes you have people in your lives that you're crossing paths with constantly in different ways and we have of course the same friends and backgrounds and of course i'll get into that and i know you have a little bit too of course and you're in the other uh podcasts but it, it's just interesting mm -hmm. and um i want to begin with my experience prior to you guys buying 688 names road and i was three years old and my dad bought the house i think the last time it sold it was it was split up into three different what uh, you know parcels and i think it was 58 million for one you know the main one i mean it and my dad i think bought it for seventy-five thousand dollars in 1957. And um, I never slept a full night in that house without a nightmare till the very last night I was there. And I dreamed, I remember to this day, I know it's crazy, but I was dreaming about Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd um, the last time. I basically would either go in and sleep with my parents, but as I got older, I would sneak, I, there was a tent that I put in the backyard we have four acres, as you remember, but there was a big, at the, the time when I was there, we had a big uh, lawn in the back. And I would sneak out to the tent every night after everyone was asleep and sleep in the tent and then get up around six, five or six in the morning, sneak back into the house and get into bed because I was scared of the house. My sister and I both, my sister woke me up one time and we watched an apparition go through the front door. I don't know if you ever saw any ghost while you were there. But we did see an apparition one time. And um, you remember all the secret passageways. I mean, it was just like out of a, you know, Stephen King, I mean, you know, novel or something. It was a strange place. And I always, you know, I'm not a religious man, but I believe in, you know, energy and spirit. You know, so I consider myself a rather kind of a spiritual guy. And this house for me, you know, Warner Baxter, you know that Warner Baxter built it. And it just had just such, you know, it was beautiful. I mean, it was just an incredible place. But 
my God, it was it just obviously had an energy that I certainly didn't meld with very well. I never had a nightmare the day after we moved out of the house ever again, ever. I mean, not even as an, I mean, seven years old till today, I've never, I'm sure I've had a couple. That's an exaggeration, but you know, not really, not like, um, and in my childhood, certainly not where I couldn't get back to sleep on my own or anything. So, you know, that house for me, from that time was just an amazing place. I mean, you know, my experience there was wonderful though in, in other ways. I mean, we had, as you know, tons of animals and it was a beautiful place. And I'll never forget, I don't know if you had that there, there, there was a plum tree that had the best plums I've ever had in my life. And I've never, I've, all my life I bought plums at the store and never had anything that ever tasted like that one on that tree. We had plenty of fruit trees and I'm sure you had many of them, kept most of them, if not all of them. But um, this is not about me, you know. Uh, I did want to tell one more story that's um, real interesting, you know. And I think, you know, your parents and my parents are quite different. My dad because was very conservative, uh, president of Bel Air Country Club. And one of the interesting stories was one day I was sitting in my front driveway and up came uh, Richard Nixon and Pat Nixon walking up my driveway. They wanted to buy the house for my... Uh, they wanted to buy the house. They were, it wasn't for sale at the time, but they they he had just lost the governor. Uh, I think it was the governor thing. So, but that's um, yeah. I think it was like you bought it from us in '62, I believe. Is that when you bought? You recall it? Yes, yeah, so I was in second grade. Anyway, it it so I mean I've had a definitely you know I'm decidedly middle class now. I'm a mortgage broker in Denver, and um, you know I've had one of the most like you have just we lived at a time when it just was an amazing time i mean you know it just things were so different in our childhood and we we uh, you know we lived this privileged existence that i didn't know you know i remember in fact the first thing i remember oh, this is a great story and i, I this came to me i hadn't told you this uh, i was at warner avenue elementary school and um one day they they uh, called me into the principal's office and when i went in the principal's office my mom was waiting there and they said mrs emmerich we want to you know talk to you about your your son uh, we we had an assignment it was in kindergarten or first grade and we asked everyone to tell us how many rooms they had in their house and i think i said 58 it might have been more i think it was 58 I want to say it's something like in the nineties even, but and I guess it was 58. And the uh, principal says, your son has is, is, uh, got a great imagination. And he's mentioned that he had, there's 58 rooms in your house. And she goes, I think he got it right. <laughs> like, and I, you know, I was in trouble, but my mom, they called my mom in there and they didn't tell her, they didn't tell me or whatever. And it was like, you know, even, and this was in like outside of Bel Air, you know, in Westwood in my elementary school. And uh, even they didn't believe, you know, this, I mean, I'm sure they had plenty of kids that lived in pretty big houses, but nothing like Neems Road, I guess, anyway. And, and you know, I, I was, I, it was the same for me, you know, it didn't seem strange to me because- It was your reality and my reality, we're kids, yeah. Let me ask you this. Why did you guys move from there? 
Um, you know, part of me thinks it might have been about me. I, I've ne I'm never was sure about this. I mean, I was having issues. And they must have known it. You know, I don't know how. I mean, I never went to a psychiatrist. I mean, back then, they wouldn't have sent a kid to it. You know, I never had got on any meds or anything like that. But I was having a lot of issues there. Um, and it wasn't behavioral. I was a good kid and everything. But it was, I mean, they knew I was, you know, having problems there, you know. Uh, and um, it could have been, uh, you know, they wanted to get out close to the ocean or something. I mean, we moved, you know. The house we moved into was on San Remo in the Palisades. And that one they bought from Greta Peck for like under 200 grand too. And that, you know, that one is, I think, um, uh, Adam Levine just sold it and for me. So I always tell people, Jennifer Gardner and I slept under the same roof for over a decade, but uh, <laughs> just at different times, but we slept in the same. I always tell people that story, but <laughs> well, do you know? Anyway, you know, so that was and that house I loved. Uh, but um, we just had this gorgeous view and everything, and there's great stories about that, you know. And that's when I really had a menagerie of animals, and I mean, we were just so blessed. With, you know, here I am, just you know, it, it, you know, I lost my dad when I was uh, 16, and. Oh. And so, you know, kind of the family money. And, you know, we both have stories. I mean, I've always told, I've told you a couple of times, I could write a book about my life and, you know, the rich uncle that took over our, you know, my dad's business afterwards and then karma that occurred to that. I mean, that family just got, uh, you know, decimated right after they, you know, took advantage of my family. I mean, oh. three out of four kids, you know, took their lives and it just, you know, horrible, horrible karma, you know, so I, that's how... Now that's part of where I get my belief in karma, but it, um, anyway, I'm digressing, but, uh, you know, I think part of this is about this privileged life that you lived and I happened to get a little piece of before and, and just, um, you know, some of the interesting things at that time, uh, growing up where we did, and you ended up at Westlake school for girls. I ended up at Harvard school for boys. And that's where we crossed paths after that. And I got very involved in theater later on. And so I was always doing plays over at Westlake. And, you know, we became, you know, that's when I kind of realized who you were. And I always thought, you know, when even in high school, I was thinking, wow, the Ryan girl seems so normal. How? <laughs> I mean, I thought that, you know, I thought, how come they're normal? Because <laughs> your dad was not normal and you know that. Right. So, you know, and this is about your father and the house that he, what he built. And, and, uh, I remember, and I don't know if this is in one of your other, cause I've listened to about two or three of them. I'm on the third podcast I've listened to, but a party you had, do you remember the party you had? I think you were in 11th grade or 12th grade with, and he came out in an, in an ambulance, that ambulance that he had or the fire truck fire, not ambulance. Okay. It was a fire truck. Right. right? Right. Remember that, right? The little mini fire truck. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember the fire truck. I'm not sure about the party. <laughs> oh, but, well, he came. We were all having a party in the basement, you know, and they had the disco mirror ball. It was a big party. You had it. Lots of us were there. And he came out in that fire truck. It's the first time I'd seen your dad in forever. 
and he came out in this fire truck and then as he came out he was had two nurses dressed you know playboy type bunny nurses busty in white nurses outfits and he came out in this uh it, w- it was a fire truck not an ambulance as i recall and you i think know that and he kind of like collapsed in the middle of the floor and then they went to give him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation <laughs> and this was a bunch of you know high school students sitting there you know it's like oh my god i was surprised you don't remember that because i'm thinking to myself i was I'm kind of embarrassed for you and i was kind of going, oh my god you know what is i mean i thought it was kind of cool but i mean <laughs> Well, no, I, I, it was pretty, you know, it was, uh, it was otherworldly, I guess. It was pretty amazing experience. And I, that's how I remember it. And I'm 90% certain, 99% certain that's exactly how it all went down. And that same party was, a, I think, the first time I ever saw a cocaine. I walked by a place and there was a big room with a mound of cocaine that I looked in. And your dad was sitting there with a couple of the people. And I, like, ran away. Scared me but <laughs> doesn't surprise me at all huh? no it doesn't surprise me i don't remember it but it doesn't surprise yeah. me yeah um yeah and then of course these images these, these uh, things might have just stuck in my mind more and i feel bad because i like you so much and i don't want to say things bad about someone's parents and they love and i feel like i am and then that's the only thing but at the same time it's interesting you know i mean it's it is and that's why i'm doing this mark yeah i i'm i want it i want the whole truth this is the real story and um believe me you know nothing is going to upset me at this point i I was upset for years i'm over it and now this is sort of the reconciliation of everything so good and and, you know obviously your father was had some incredible positive attributes too i mean he's first of all he's just a genius obviously and and just you know he had a lot going for him too but he was and i think the drugs really hurt him pretty bad at the end and i'm going to tell a couple more stories here one that my final story in this podcast is i'm saving the best for last that's for sure but so other issues that came about um other things i remember um I went and visited um, when I was in college. I went to Stanford. And um, when I was in college, I had a couple friends in town and we were going around. They wanted to see like Bel Air. And I said, I'll show you the house I, I used to live at. We might be able to go in there. And I think that at the time you'd already had it, you know, they converted it into kind of like a castle and a moat. And yeah. One thing I remember that stands out so much about your father was he was a piddler. I mean, he probably had ADHD, if nothing else, but, you know, because um, he would start things. I remember like one time I went there and there was probably 15 different Mercedes and various stages of of being built and unbuilt sitting in the driveway, right? Or not maybe 15, but four or five, you know, several cars. And I imagine growing up that at any given time, you had several cars in various stages of being built or unbuilt sitting there. and you know he went and got all these you know pieces from you know and you talk about it i know in one of the other podcasts i listened to but he actually had a person that he hired to get all these you know castle pieces and all that and you know i i imagine it was just a 
ongoing project where your house was so often uh, in some sort of weird kind of state. Um, but um, anyway, I'm certain it was interesting and, and, uh, and uh, um, you know, it just, it fascinated me that, um, the, that part of your dad's, um, you know, that, that part of your dad's personality, I guess. But I was in college and, and we came uh, one night and we're, I was, we were going around Bel Air and I told my friends, I, you know, maybe we can get in this house I lived in. So we went up and like I said, I think at that time there was the castle and the moat and the guards, if I'm not mistaken. And I said, hey, um, I used to live here. I'm here with some friends. I just kind of wanted to show them around the grounds a little bit. Would it be okay? You were probably off to college at the time. I don't know. But we walked in and we were walking around, um, you know, the outside and walking around. And I said, you know, one of the interesting things about this guy, Jack Ryan, is I said, he's got like phones everywhere. And he's got phone. And he has like this tree house and has a phone in it. And I think one time, and I think you even mentioned it here later too. I, I think the number I threw out was kind of the same number. You had like 120 phones or something on the, on the property. And I'm going... Um, I said, he's this really eccentric genius and he invented the Barbie doll and Hot Wheels and strange guy, he's got all these phones. And then all of a sudden I hear, I hear and I'm, I'm looking like it's dark by the way. And I'm about 50 to 75 yards away from this guy. He steps out of the house, it's kind of in the back and he goes, hey. And I go, yeah. And I'm screaming, he goes, so he's this really weird guy that has 120 phones and 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 uh and he invented the barbie doll and hot and he's repeating exactly what i just said but i'm like 75 yards away so he heard me i mean now you're looking you're looking surprised at me didn't you not know there were speakers on the there were did you not know that you're looking at me like you were because I thought, oh, you, I thought you'd kind of give me recognition. Like, yeah, we had, we had, we had speakers everywhere or something. Um, he heard me from 75 yards away. That's amazing. Well, um, I mean, there must have been a, a you know, a microphone. I mean, yeah. Um, no, actually, I didn't know about that part. Oh, really? No, no, you're surprising me with this. But hey, you know, it's, it's great for me to learn something from you about it. Wow. Well, I mean, I just figured if that happened to me, that would have been something you knew about. And uh, when I was, I mean, it was, it was like, I was so, you know, I was mortified. I mean, I hadn't said anything bad, real. I mean, kind of, I mean, I think I might've even said he was weird or something, you know, but nothing maliciously mean, you know, thank goodness. I mean, I wouldn't have anyway, I don't think, but I'm just saying it was just very odd. But that was the, uh, that was the second time I went there after the, uh, the party. Wow. But I guess I got a final story. We can wrap it up here. Um, and this final story is almost hard to believe. I had happened, it was 1976, and I was in the Stanford campus overseas in England, Clibden, Clibden, uh, the Lord and Lady Esther estate. And I woke up one morning, sat down for breakfast, and I had a buddy, my best, one of my best buddies come down. He's holding a letter. And he goes, oh man, he goes, I just got the weirdest fucking letter I've ever seen. 
And I said, really? He goes, yeah. I said, well, well, tell me about it. He says, well, I got this buddy who's over to UCLA and he works for this guy. It's, I think he's the guy who invented the Barbie doll or something. And, and he, he like, he, he dresses up like medieval, like uniform and walks around the moat like a guard. And I said, um, oh yeah, I, I, I used to live there. And he goes, get out of here. And I said, no, that's my old house. We sold it to the Ryans. And he says, oh my God. He says, well, you won't believe this story. And I said, probably will. <laughs> you know? I said, what? tell me the story. And, and this is the one, you know, that I was scared to tell you. But anyway, he said, apparently, Jack's mistress at the time. He was not married to Jaja anymore, I don't believe. Yeah. And he was not married, but he had a mistress since 1976. Any idea who I'm talking about? Um, I think he was big into his drugs at this time, huh? There were so many. <laughs> so many, okay. Well, anyway, this mistress seduced my buddy's friend and they used to go down and there was a you know room off in the basement that was a mirrored room, the bedroom bed in it, and they'd have sex. And basically daily. So he was quitting or got fired or was leaving. I think he quit. And the day he quit, Jack came up and goes, Hey, come here, there's something I want to show you. And Jack had a gun in his hand. Yeah, your dad was, you know, at the when the when the drugs were really bad was, as I understand it, shot the place up quite a bit. Yeah. Does that sound familiar to you? Okay. Yeah. And you were at school here, so I don't know. But anyway, he takes my friend, my friend's friend, and walks him into this, you know, that they're down in the basement area, I think, off off the ballroom or whatever. And there were a few, you know, I remember it how I remember it, which is when I'm three to seven, which is sixty some years ago. But, you know, I remember these rooms off to the side of the basement, and obviously they were changed quite a bit. But anyway, um, he walks him into the, you know, and we had all the secret passageways, and I think your dad probably enhanced them, some of them a bit. But he walks him into the secret passageway, and he sits him down, and it's a two-way mirror into that room. And they're staring at the bed, and your dad's got a gun in his lap, and he has the, he has his my friend's friend, sitting next to him and he says, you know, I used to like to come here and sit all the time. And, <laughs> and he says, my friend, he says, you know, he had never been as frightened in his entire life, but I think Jack was just screwing with him. and didn't really care any, or maybe enjoyed it. I mean, probably, you know, probably was his thing or something, obviously, but wanted the kid to know that he wouldn't get anything over him, I guess. I'm not sure what it was, but. So Jack was apparently watching on the other yeah. side. Here. Yeah. I mean, that's what he implied. Right. He never Screwing said well. it. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> oh my God. I wish I could figure out who that was. You know, what a weird thing for me to sit down at breakfast in England with my buddy coming up to me and reading me this letter. And it's just was like, to me, it was just one of the most surreal experiences. I mean, 
I guess all my experiences with that Neems Roadhouse turned out to be pretty, you know, interesting over my lifetime. But that was probably my last one. But, uh, but you know, I have to tell you something about it because... If you remember on the second floor, there was, you'd go up the stairs and to the left was one bedroom that had a balcony and to the right was the master bedroom. Uh And then if you went a little bit farther back, there was the Warner Baxter bedroom. That was the room that was, you know, it was dark paneled and it had a a men's bathroom as opposed to. That's where I slept. That was my room. That was your room. Okay. But then. That's interesting. (laughs) Right off the bat. Yeah, I had that weird, you mean the kind of men's, there was like a massage table or something in there, right? Yeah, that's where I had my out-of-body experiences was experimented on in my nightmares. Oh my God. Okay, so love, okay, so then there was a a hallway that paralleled it that basically went down to more of a servants type area. Right. Where the first door on the right was um, a linen closet. Then there was what they called a luggage room which became a pet room for us, for all of our Okay. And then you went a little bit further and there was the dumb waiter and the laundry chute. Okay. And then there was a back stairway that went down to the kitchen. But behind that on the right was a room that was called the sewing room that had a bathroom and that was my bedroom. Okay. And when I, when we moved in there, first of all, I got so lost, I could never find my room. <laughs> the second yeah. thing was, is I felt like I was really off in left field because the rest of the family was in the other part. And I'm way at the end of this hallway in a servant's area. You know, I could scream and nobody would hear me. And I think yeah. it terrifying. But one thing I thought of that I hadn't thought about for years is, one day for some, I have no idea why this happened, but I was in the linen closet and I took a nap on the floor and I had this nightmare about the hunchback of Notre Dame coming in and attacking me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I remember yeah. waking up and I is screaming and it was pitch black why I chose to take a nap in the linen closet because it was more than a closet, you know. It, yeah. It, when you think of a closet, it's like a walk-in type closet. But, but, you know, a lot of weird shit happened in that house. For sure. And, uh, you know, I don't think I was ever completely comfortable living there. You yeah. add to that all the crazy stuff that was going on all the time between the construction destruction the parties i mean at one point he was giving over 300 parties a year yeah i know you'd said that at some point my parents stopped living together in the house and they lived right separately under one roof I know that story too. Yeah. Very confusing for me as a child. Yeah. And um, it was just a really weird place to grow up. Not that it wasn't interesting, because it was definitely interesting, but it wasn't um, comforting. Well, I had the impression, you tell me if this is true or not. My recollection is that 
Jack could go into your mom's side of the house, but your mom wasn't allowed to go into Jack's side of the yeah. house. Yeah. So what happened was the room that was your door was your room, the one right. suite. Okay. He ended up putting a, a second door on it <laughs> that was only operable from inside there. Okay. Oh, wow. Theoretically, he could come into our part of the house, but that door was sort of sealed off from our part so that we couldn't go there. And then he had a stairway that went downstairs off of his bathroom to the lower level. So, and then that that lowest level, you know, the rec room down there and all of that right. um, was basically his domain, you know. So he went down there, had parties, then he could go back up to his room without crossing any of us, including his parents who were living in the room, you know, on the first floor, uh, uh -huh. you know, when you, you uh, there was that hallway that went to the port cochere, but then there was a bedroom at the end of that hallway, uh -huh. you know, kind of, if you were walking to the living room, you took a left and you went down a hallway. And there was a bedroom. I don't remember that bedroom. I can't remember that bedroom, but yeah. Yeah, but my all the ones on the second floor, I remember. Yeah, my grandparents yeah. lived there because shortly huh. after we moved in, he they were living in Yonkers, New York, where he grew up, and yeah. he wanted them to come and live with us. So that's where they lived. But he had complete control over what he was doing, you know, and we were sort of sequestered away from all of that but you know i was always intrigued by everything so i spent a lot of time like sneaking down to parties or hiding places or you know sometimes <laughs> i'd go up on the pool house roof Do you remember how you could go up those stairs from the back of the pool house and the roof was yeah yeah i would go up there and kind of peer over and see what was going on you know because i was intrigued but at the same time often horrified because you know, the whole situation with my father and other women and, you know, my parents were theoretically married, but I knew all this was going on was very confusing. That, yeah. And in 19, I always forget whether it's 1970 or 71, um, there was that article in Esquire magazine about all of this. They did a whole big spread on it on him. on jack yeah and i remember I, I, think had, I read that you know everybody at school had seen this magazine yeah and it was very salacious for the time it came yeah. for now but at the time it was very salacious and you know yeah you know no teenager wants to hear about their you know father's sex life or weird going right you know but it it, it became part of my life ultimate right and you know it it's it's taken me a long time to kind of resolve all of this but in the process i i've been able to let go of a lot of resentment and anger i had towards both parents and mm -hmm. i you know i mean we're all flawed people we're all just trying to you know, treasure well, that's the truth no, yeah all it's... of this and you know i have a much better um appreciation for them now and their own individual struggles and um and it's good and so you know that's why you know i want to hear these stories that other people have to 
to tell. It's funny because I was interviewing my ex-husband and, um, you know, because obviously he was around yeah. a lot of stuff. And, you know, I asked him a very direct question. I can't remember about what. And he said, well, you know, I don't really want to say anything about your dad. That's not nice. And I said, <laughs> why not? Yeah. And he said, well, you know, I, I just don't want to say anything. And I said, please, <laughs> you know, we're way beyond that. I just want you to be truthful. And he said, well, okay, well, I actually didn't like him very much. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I know, I know. And, you yeah. know, in you find in, in some of these interviews, some people absolutely adored him. And other people, not so much, and that's okay, you know. Yeah. I, I, I don't have any expectations about what. It wasn't like I liked him or disliked him. I just thought he was incredibly eccentric. I mean, you know, that's my image of someone says something about Jack Ryan. I mean, I wouldn't say I don't like him. I wouldn't say I like him. I would just say, man, what an interesting dude, <laughs> you know. I mean. That's what he was. He was an he was different, especially for the time. You know, maybe he was ahead of his time. He was. He just was very eccentric, you know, and uh, probably had, uh, you know, a lot of issues that today would be diagnosed different, you know, or something like that. Maybe on the on the on the spectrum or something. Or, right. You know, and. Uh, um, anyway he yeah he's uh, but i knew you know telling that story wasn't exactly or the stories i have aren't really flattering but at the same time i figure well you're doing this and you're you know you want to hear you want to hear it all and, and i and you're probably not i'm not the only one who's telling stories quite like this so no i i really appreciate this mark it's really helpful i mean you know the more stories the more different points of view that are expressed, the more interesting I think it all becomes. I try to always get people to be as candid as possible. Well, Mark, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. There are many more exciting episodes coming up. So please like and subscribe because you're not gonna wanna miss a single one.